0: Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and
1: what you need to do. All right, good morning, everyone. Good morning, morning, Kim. Hi, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm
0: all right. You're (laughs) all right? Excellent. I had one extra glass of wine
1: last night that I really shouldn't have. Oh, that's okay.
0: that's okay. as you know, sharp as
1: I should be. Oh, should no. Me. Well, I think that will be a good warning to that. Uh, I made sure to get that sensor button ready that <laughs> Andrew uh, warned no. us all about on LinkedIn to make sure that there's no swears this time. <laughs>
0: Bloody, sorry. <laughs>
1: After a good start. But
0: he put a four letter word in the case study. He's given me no chance. He at did. All. He
1: did. Oh, Classic Andrew stuff. So I know. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah okay. You know. Well, I'll try to make sure it's in. the most polite uh, description of that <laughs> four letter word possible. Uh, Andrew, obviously, not here with us today. He's back in. Um, he yeah. should be on the plane or at least I landing. I reckon
0: he's landing about now. There you
1: go. So, our intrepid so. leader back this afternoon. Yeah. And uh, we're very excited to have Nina back uh, next week yes. after her, uh, you know, her long, overseas. Yes. Long, wonderful holiday over to yeah. So Are we allowed to share Nina's news,
0: so we'll
1: leave that for her next week. Oh, goodness. So we we'll give you well. I mean, look, <laughs> you put the teaser out there, Kim. I think, um, I think I, we
0: should wait
1: then. Well, I'm not sure if she would hate it <laughs> if, she, if we told her that she had to, to share her news on the but anyway, we'll wait and see. So exciting times to come, depending on whether you tune in in yeah. the next few weeks. <laughs> To potentially hear this news. <laughs> All right. Well, look, Um. just wanted to start out today, obviously, yeah. and just pass on sort of our sympathies and thoughts to everyone in Victoria um, who's yeah. been affected by the flooding over the last week and, unfortunately, it looks like some more to come over this weekend. Yeah. You know, always terrible to see and we hope everyone and their families are as safe and secure as possible. But, yeah. Kim, floods and these sorts of things are something that do raise a couple of questions about employers and employees yeah. and what are the options available? Absolutely.
0: So we've got some clients up in Shepparton who have been impacted by the floods and so I had a call during the week to find out what leave entitlements people have if they can't get to work. So I gave some advice about that, but I thought it would be relevant to raise here. So if the business closes down mm-hmm. and can't operate, that's provide that's a stoppage of work. And that's it, right. It creates a trigger to stand down employees yeah. without pay if there's no useful work that they can do. Yeah, in it's terms a classic of,
1: example. Yes, yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. But in terms of leave entitlements that people take, they can vary, so you just need to look at the circumstances of each. So mm-hmm. it would be personal leave if it's illness or injury, if mm-hmm. someone suffered the employee's ill or injured. Yeah, because
1: of the flood, because, yeah, for yeah. example, yeah.
0: If they're caring for someone who's ill or injured, mm-hmm. if they're caring for a child whose school has closed and they can't get to school, Yeah. that's yeah. all personal leave.
1: That's right, the unexpected emergency. That's it's exactly. a part, I think, that's often forgotten yeah, about personal leave. Not. We often always think, yeah, illness or injury, but we yeah. don't necessarily think about unexpected emergency, yeah. and this is a great example That's right.
0: Yeah. They don't have to take it, so otherwise it would be leave without
1: pay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Look, it's, it's it's a difficult and hard conversation to have with someone yeah. who's a little bit of a crisis, understandably, mm-hmm. but, you know, if your business is also struggling because it can't operate, it's sometimes the conversation you've got to have yeah. to say, look, best we can do is we can take your annual leave. Mm-hmm. So not the most ideal circumstances, no. but, um, you know, look, we, again, hope everyone's doing okay yeah, throughout it. <laughs> Well, look, some interesting stuff, obviously, this week um, and next week we're going to see um, from the Labor government around sort of implementing more of the changes around the respect at work as well as in respect of their sort of broader women and gender equality program that they're running with. I think, you know, we've spoken about a lot on the briefing over the last few weeks yeah. and months, you know, our sort of concerns that the changes that we are seeing coming through aren't quite hitting at that practical level, you know, things that can actually, you know, substantially make a change for gender equality and for women in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But uh, really, we've seen uh, an announcement of two, I think, that are really key this week that we think will have a really big one. And and the first one is in relation to the expansion of paid parental leave to 26 weeks. So, Labor promised this during the election campaign and fundamentally what it will look like Mm -hmm. is... Instead of it being eighteen weeks for the mother and two weeks for the dad or partner, it will become a pool of twenty six weeks in total that is paid. So expansion by six weeks in above what it currently is, but accessible as the parents see fit really and just huge chances. Huge change.
0: When I think back to when even when I had my kids mm. thirteen years ago, there was nothing available at all in yeah. terms of assistance for us yes and yeah. there was no real encouragement or ability for men to be at home with their kids <laughs> and I'm seeing a real shift in that attitude that men want to be home with their children yes. whereas my generation and my parents and grandparents etc it was never a question that men would be the
1: at home. No, and I think that's very fair, Kim. And, you know, look, obviously for myself coming up to this period, very, very soon, you know, within the next uh, two and a bit months. It's a very fair point. Now, I think there has been a shift sort of about the way of thinking of parental leave Mm. and the opportunity for sort of both partners to be able to take that leave. But measures like this, I think, are the sort of examples that have the most practical effect because they empower choice. And that's really the key thing, you know, is it's, you know, as you said, it was, okay, well, men might have never ever thought about it, but that was because there weren't these sort of options Mm. and structures in place to actually support that decision making. So, Really big change, I think, that's gonna come through and, and will really have a practical impact on mm. increasing the options available to uh, working mothers yep. who want to return to the workforce.
0: So it will take a few years to really take That's
1: about. right, that's right. Yeah. So it's not coming in tomorrow. No. It's sort of staggered over the sort of next three to four years. So a little bit too late for me, at least for baby number one. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes over the next I mean, couple I of years. that? Oh, I don't yeah. know if I can share <laughs> that on the briefing. <laughs> Uh, but look, the second, big part, <laughs> the second big part of the sort of changes that have been announced next week, the Labor government are going to introduce their secure jobs, better pay bill. There's really four elements to this. Three are not so important. They're sort of they're about establishing some equal remuneration uh, panels in the Fair Work Commission to look at balancing out pay between men and women in particular industries, as well as making equal remuneration an objective of the Fair Work Act. So, great stuff, okay. But the really fundamentally important part, and this was sort of discussed in the election and was one of Labor's promises, but sort of did appear to be sort of one of these tangential sort of changes, which is really, you know, potentially we're going to see it now come into effect either perhaps by the end of this year mm. or early next year, it's the prohibition on pay secrecy clauses in employment contracts yeah. and in employment. Huge, it is. huge. You know, Labor's very fair argument that sits around this is they say, well, look, the gender pay gap exists as a problem okay. because there is a power for employers at the moment under an employment contract yeah. to make This is a confidential matter and the breach of that confidentiality, Mm. a misconduct issue. And so really they're saying, okay, well, we're going to actually prohibit that entirely. So it's a significant practical Mm. change because in your workplace, you know, you will now have people able to go amongst each other and talk about pain Mm. and that cannot form misconduct in relation to their employment.
0: Unless they're dishonest about it. Well, this is the key point. This is the
1: key point. So I think one of the interesting things is what the shift will happen is, look, Obviously, you're going to have to do all the things to make sure you're keeping on top of, do you have a gender pay gap, are you managing it, are you taking steps to reduce it? But also importantly now, instead of worrying about it being the breach of confidentiality, you've got to look at it through misconduct, excuse me, potentially of dishonesty. You know, um, I used the example when we were putting together the notes for this to sort of say, well, look, what about if you have a male employee in? Who lies to a female mm-hmm. employee about their wage? You know, yeah. Inflates their wage beyond actually what it is. I mm-hmm. earn, you know, fifty thousand dollars more mm-hmm. than you, for example. Well, that is in itself dishonesty yeah. in the course of employment. So right. it becomes the misconduct instead. Yeah. So it's. Look, I think it's really interesting. I think you know once this comes into effect, we're going to have to look at a lot of arrangements in workplaces around mm-hmm. this and managing the sort of fallout from everyone being free to talk about what their wages are, mm-hmm. there's going to be a pretty significant change. Because
0: employers have always actively encouraged their their staff not to talk about wage That's rises. Right. Not even just salary, but not but just wage
1: rises. Absolutely, not, Kim, absolutely. It's so, so, yeah, it's, it's sort of um, uncharted territory. But, again, coming back to the point, a really big practical change around gender equality. Yeah. So will we keep track of those over the next couple of weeks Look, an interesting there's not been that much interesting case law out this week. It's been a bit of a quiet week, kind of. But look, an interesting case popped up. And Kim, really, we just want to raise it to just remind our viewers of a really fundamental point that we talk about a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is the case. Is it up there? Yes, yes it is. Good. Yeah. Sorry, my, I need a new prescription for these glasses. <laughs> but it was a case where an employee at work, or as a result of conduct at work, was charged with assault. He was stood down after he was charged and he was terminated when he was convicted. But what went wrong here for the employer is they didn't conduct their own internal inquiry. They Mm. relied far too heavily on the conviction, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. turned out to be overturned and he was reinstated because they hadn't done their own due diligence, enough inquiry to make sure that the circumstances actually occurred in the manner that was alleged. That's right. They didn't afford him procedural fairness. They didn't put allegations to him Mm -hmm. properly. They drew inferences and largely because of the criminal proceeding and it all went Really pear-shaped? Yeah,
1: or? it went as pear-shaped as possible. So it I think did. really just a great reminder, again, you can't outsource your responsibility exactly. around investigating this conduct yeah. in your workplace, you know, yeah. and we say it all the time but then a case about, like, this pops up yeah. and it's a, great it's a great reminder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, and finally, we've seen um, in Queensland as well, they've announced their own regulations on psychological hazards. So long story short around this, they're largely the same as the New South Wales ones. They lack the content that we're expecting to see then the Victorian ones when they come through. Will there be changes once these somewhat universally, sort of there's a whole of Australia approach? Will we see the Victorian ones become the New South Wales ones or vice versa? Not sure, but again, still interesting to see these continuing to pop up. All right, so look, on to our main topic for today. One, I think all of our clients and viewers will be very familiar with absenteeism. And, Kim, absenteeism is not a problem that's just popped up out of nowhere. It's always been a problem. It's always
0: been a problem, but Mm. we've seen a definite change in how it's manifested as a result of the pandemic.
1: That's right, that's right. And, look, what we've sort of seen, I think, is really three phases over the last two years of what the use of personal leave and absenteeism has looked like. Mm. We had the sort of first phase really sort of the lockdown phase. Mm-hmm. Everyone, well if you know, for most industries, a lot of people working from home, a marked decline yeah. in the use of personal leave. You know, people obviously weren't out and about getting ill. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also a greater proportion of people just continuing to work while ill yeah. because they had the accessibility of doing it through at home. Yeah. So all of a sudden we had a huge number of employees building up very, very large personal leave yeah. balances. And
0: employees were loving it.
1: They, loved it. they thought this is fantastic, you know, until then we hit the second phase, yeah. you know, we come out of the lockdowns really at the uh, sort of end of 2021 mm-hmm. and particularly during the winter period oh, this year. So
0: many people became ill.
1: That's know? right, that's yeah. right. Lowered immunity, greater access to personal leave, yeah. more illness and particularly COVID related illness during a period where we had the mandatory isolation periods huge increase <laughs> yeah. in the taking of personal <laughs> yeah. leave. You know, people legitimately really, yeah. really unwell, but also starting to be burnt out. Yes, you know,
0: absolutely. Because um, no, no one able to take a holiday.
1: That's right, yeah, that's it right. a
0: huge
1: impact, didn't it? It did. It absolutely yeah. did. And so that tied itself into, of course, that greater level of absenteeism, that use of personal leave. Yeah. But now what we're seeing into this sort of third phase, which I think is a really interesting shift in where this has gone, is we've come out of the side of this level of great illness from this sort of winter period Mm. this year, and we've seen a push for people just to go back to normality, a removal of some of the things that people perhaps are starting to take for granted about flexibility and things of that nature. and. Anecdotally, what we're hearing from a lot of clients is we're getting a lot of employees increasing in their levels of absenteeism Mm -hmm. because they're using personal leave to achieve the flexibility. that they feel has been taken away from them because of the shift back to quote-unquote normality. Yeah. Mm. So,
0: employers need to take a really strong stand about that. And Mm. I think the best way, and what we're seeing with a lot of our clients, is they're putting a flexible workplace policy Mm. in place. Mm -hmm. And so, there is a lot more flexibility than what there was, certainly. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, when people, employers say you've got to be three days in the office, Mm. two days at home, Mm -hmm. I really think that should be in a policy because people are still taking advantage of it. Absolutely. Even though they've got the flexibility much more than they did before. Yes. They're
1: definitely doing the wrong I thing. Oh, agreed, Kim, agreed. And look, and, and, and we'll come back to this point in a moment, but the mm-hmm. key thing about the, having the policies in place is that there's a clear set of rules that people know and have to abide by. Exactly. And if you're achieving some of that flexibility that people are looking for, mm-hmm. you're probably on the right track. But look, the real big question is, okay, well, let's assume for a moment we we're talking about businesses that can't achieve that flexibility mm-hmm. through a policy. Yeah. Well, how do we manage this issue about, absenteeism through the use of personal leave now you're always going to have people who of course are legitimately ill but how do you reduce the use of personal leave for sort of more nefarious purposes mm. and I think the really main key aspect of this there's sort of three elements of it one we'll speak a bit out a little bit more uh, process cannot emphasize this strongly enough is that Where absenteeism through the use of personal leave thrives is in an environment where there is not a clearly articulated set of rules Mm. about how personal leave is to be taken. And we're not here simply talking about a policy that just says you have personal leave, Mm. you can take it when you're sick. Really, we're talking about some more direct and interventionist steps Mm. in this process. Fundamentally at the heart of it, remembering that an employer under the Fair Work Act has the right to ask for evidence of an illness and is entitled to notice as much as reasonably practicable from an employee when they are ill or injured and won't be able to attend work. So So an employee needs
0: to put some real steps in place, some real practical steps in place Mm. so people know exactly what they're required to do. Mm. So... Don't email reception and yep. say I'm not coming in today or send a text message. Yep. The policy should specify you must call your manager. If you can, before your shift starts, yep. you must provide evidence of the reason for your illness, mm-hmm. be it a medical certificate or a stat deck.
1: Yep. I mean, I think, the, the, you know, the direct calling one, oh. you know, we, I mean, I've got a great example of assisting a client who was dealing with this problem and they had different elements of their business which were doing different things and they all said, look, absentee is a problem for us mm. except for one person. They put their hand up and said, oh, actually, I'm doing something a little bit different mm. in my part of the business and I've had an 80% reduction wow. in absenteeism. And it was simply that step of saying under the policy, if you're sick, you've got to call.
0: Yeah. You know, and it makes it, them more accountable,
1: doesn't it? Well, it does, it does. And and
0: second guess themselves.
1: Well, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. And you know, and people who are ill then You can get better information about it and put supports in place Mm. that they might not realise that they need. So there is a positive net effect for people who are legitimately ill, but people who are, you know, look, most people aren't going to do the wrong thing, This we know. Mm. There are a small cohort who will and they're always going to be difficult. But it's the people in the middle who, if they see a lack of process, and they you know they feel aggrieved by watching the people who they perceive to be the bad people getting away with mm. something they're more inclined to fall into those bad habits yeah. themselves.
0: So the policy needs to set out a really clear procedure about mm. what will happen if you are in breach of your obligations. Yeah. And be consistent across the board. You can't have one rule for someone not yeah. for others.
1: Yeah, this is the key point, Kim, yeah. discipline. you got to be disciplined about a policy. It's not good enough to have a role, goal, procedure from step one all the way through mm. to step 10. If it's not being applied, uh, consistent. Even well, one, if it's not being applied properly at all. Yeah. Two, if it's not being applied consistently. You know, it's got to be disciplined across the business about this is applied every single time. And if you bring something like this in as a new thing, you can have a bit of a grace period of sort of, mm-hmm. you know, 30 days or whatever. Yeah. But once you get a certain point, it's everyone knows this is what's going to happen, and then leadership around. That. Leadership yeah. around, Leader you know, within your yeah, business. Yeah. That's right. Like it's it applies to everyone, including to management. We've got to take the steps. We've got to apply it equally yeah. across the board. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Look, I mean, I think when we're looking at those sort of aspects, though, we're still going to get to this point really where there are going to be circumstances where people still aren't complying. Mm-hmm. They're still absent. So look, what do you do there? We're really looking at this in two ways. The first is. We know there's the, the prohibition against terminating an employee who's temporarily ill or absent. One of the things we really want to emphasise, it's really commonly misunderstood, this provision. Mm-hmm. I think often people think it's quite broad and that as soon as someone is away and they said that they're ill, that means that this provision's enlightened. Key thing is really it's not, Mm. okay? I mean, you still can't terminate someone's employment because they are ill or injured because that's disability discrimination and breach of the general protections. But what we really want to emphasise is the only types of absences that are protected are those where the person has provided the evidence and followed the notice provisions of whatever instrument applies Mm. to their employment. So... Don't be afraid to terminate an employee for another reason just because they're absent on a particular day, mm. but just still make sure you're not terminating their employment for that particular yeah, reason. it's got to be a misconduct issue. That's right. And it
0: can be the absenteeism. Yes. It can be the misconduct. That
1: is, that is exactly yeah, right, Kim. But That's always a,
0: good to get some advice.
1: Exactly, yeah, always get some advice on it. And Kim, from a workers' comp perspective as well, they can get a point in time where termination might need to be necessary, but yeah. that's a little bit more complicated. This is more complicated.
0: Well, yeah. and it applies not only to workers' comp, mm. but people with personal injury, but it all comes down to the inherent requirements of the role. A lot of clients come to me at the end of the obligation period to mm-hmm. provide suitable duties and say, do you have a template letter I can send to my employee because I don't have to provide them with suitable duties anymore and I want to terminate them? It's not that simple. No, it's not, <laughs> good.
1: not that um, simple. No.
0: Because it, is, it does create the disability discrimination for yeah. disability and general protections risk. Yeah. But you can lawfully discriminate against someone if you get medical evidence that says they're not fit for the inherent requirements of the role, yep. Now, in the foreseeable future, and no reasonable adjustments that we can make that we enable to, them to do the role. Mm-hmm. It comes to timing, and if you are in this situation, please do reach out because there are real advantages and disadvantages around the timing of when you terminate mm-hmm. in terms of premium. Yep. If you've got someone who's off work, the first 12 months and there's no indication they're ever going to get back, mm-hmm. I would say terminate now. Yep because they're going to continue to accrue annual leave. Yep. And so that's an expense yeah, business. Is. yeah. But if they're not going to get back, there's no point keeping them on as an no. employee because they still, they're still still employee obligations. No, that's very life. true, Kim. If they are at work, there's real premium advantages, so consequences if you can keep them employed. But there's also disadvantages in that you've still got to provide civil duties. Mm. They're still going to accrue annual leave, mm-hmm. so it's a balancing act in terms of the financial consequences, still monitoring their health, that sort of thing. Yeah. So lots and lots to think about. Lots to think
1: about, Kim, yes. Yeah, so I think the major takeaways: are process, discipline, leadership. If you're doing that around your, your absentees and risks yeah. and your policy around personal leave, you're going to mitigate things yeah. as much as possible. Really no, important please, point, yeah. though:
0: um, do not rely, especially in Victoria, on information you get from the IMEs to terminate. You must get independent medical evidence.
1: That's right. Don't want to be breaching your, the uh, yeah the Act. You could yeah. be in front of the magistrate. Don't want to be doing that. No, you don't really do that. All right, on to our case study. Yeah, sorry, Kim, I know we went to rush there at we'll the end. All right, so it's me today, so I get to read it out. Dean was not the best employee since 1 February 2022. He had taken 32 days of personal leave. Five of these were without reasonable evidence supporting the absence. Dean is employed by drill complaints PTYLT. DERIDRIL? Der- Der- what is dir drill? I'm sorry, dir drill. complaints drill complaints a debt collection agency whose motto was DIRD, don't lose your money, let us drill down and get it back. We are relentless. <laughs> it was an eponymous name after its founder, Dimitri Drill, Tim to his family. Dir drill has an enterprise agreement that requires employees in any rolling calendar year to provide evidence supporting personal leave in accordance with the Fair Work Act. Dean posted on his Facebook site photos of him out drinking with friends on a Friday evening. This was a day when he did not advise of his absence until midday and he provided no reasonable evidence to support his absence, such as a medical certificate. The Facebook post was given to his manager, Dave Drill, son of Tim, an awkward and quarrelsome man who hit the roof. He checked Dean's absenteeism history, blew up HR for doing nothing, and asked them to check other evidence of wrongful absenteeism. HR's investigation revealed, having chatted to several work friends and reviewing other posts, that on other days where no evidence was given, they were always a Friday, he always posted prolifically on Facebook about the bars and places he went. Several of the posts laughed about being on sick leave from Durdrill. A number of employees made the same comment. Dean just laughed about it and said they can stick it up their arse. (laughs) There was the fallen word. There you go. At the conclusion of the investigation, Dave showed the results to Dean. Dave said to Dean he could have a support person if he liked. Dean was very angry and said, how do you look at my Facebook? My Facebook has the highest possible privacy setting. I'm on sick leave. I told you so at the time. Dave said, you never did as soon as reasonably practicable. You just told us when you felt like it. Dave made it clear that they that were it not for seeing the posts, they wouldn't have known of his misconduct, so they didn't tell him until they did a full investigation. Dave explained they had been generous with him up to date, up, up to date about absences, but this was not on. He asked him to show him cause why he shouldn't terminate him. Dean just kept saying it was unlawful. Dave told him it was not, and summarily terminated him for wrongfully taking leave without proof, with positive evidence of wrongdoing and that his behaviour made it impossible for him to work for them, given the content of the posts and his comments to other employees. All right, so there's the questions. Scan the QR code, go to the link, and we'll give you that minute and then see how you go. I get excited about the (laughs) the respect at work stuff, I must say, because I think it is something we've talked about a lot here on on the briefing, and we keep seeing these things, you know, like the changes around the sort of hostile work environment and, and so on. They're great changes, Mm. they're necessary changes, but they just don't quite have that right air of practicality about them. You know. And I think the parental leave thing and and, I mean the the pay confidentiality one, that is I think the most fascinating one to me. I think really employers need to be starting to prepare about what this is going to look like because it fundamentally changes the game. It does. You know? I mean, it might be a little bit different for your workers on, you know, on the front lines where they're all paid the same under an enterprise agreement, but you're going to be real different. Mm-hmm. We're talking about office environments, so yeah. I think it's going to be a fun. I still don't actively
0: encourage
1: it. No, no. Well, well, we won't be able to discourage it. That's no. the point, Kim. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, as Dean had not had an aggregate of three months and one day absence under the temporary absence provisions of the, F, of the Fair Work Act, was it unlawful to terminate Kim?
0: I don't believe so. No, I
1: think you're right
0: there. Because he wasn't terminated just for the absence. Correct. He was terminated because he dishonestly took personal leave. Correct. He flaunted it on Facebook and was critical of his employer Mm -hmm. and was mocking of his employer Mm -hmm. and he didn't just do it Quietly amongst
1: his friends. No, he did it in a public forum. That's right, blasted all over social media. And importantly, in respect of the temporary absence provisions, as we discussed before. So, one, Mm. he he wasn't actually absent on the day of termination. So, that's another really key aspect that we didn't quite get time to touch on before. But what the case law around this provision says is that, well, it's that you were temporarily absent on that day of dismissal Mm. so it's not that you were absent the day before if you're in the workplace that day then your absence has to be the day of dismissal for Mm. it to be protected so one that wasn't the case here and two he didn't provide the medical evidence nor did he provide it within a reasonably practical time as required by the enterprise agreement so it did not have the protection Mm. as a temporary absence of the prescribed kind under the fair work act so focus on the misconduct, focus on the dishonesty, get the decision-maker to say this wasn't the reason that he was absent at all, Mm. we're avoiding the discrimination risk. That's the lawful reason for termination right there. All right, was it a breach of Dean's privacy to start an investigation using his Facebook post?
0: No. No. It wasn't. There's real confusion around this, Matt, Mm. about whether people can use people, employers can rely on social media. Mm -hmm. And in this case, they can. Mm -hmm. And they can view his Facebook post as evidence of the misconduct mm-hmm. and use that to kick off the investigation mm-hmm. and they don't have an obligation to tell him that they're doing so. Mm-hmm. They certainly do at the end when they mm-hmm. put the allegations to him. Yes, But yeah. in terms of finding the evidence of mm-hmm. his misconduct, mm-hmm. they can look at Facebook and not alert him to it because then he could remove the evidence.
1: That's right, that's right, yeah, yeah. And, and what's assumed here, obviously, is that they somehow see it through someone else who's a friend of his on Facebook who, who sees the post and then brings it to management's attention. Yeah. Obviously, very different. You can't hack in, so to no. speak, to someone's <laughs> saying, Kim and I had this conversation this morning because we've both got ourselves confused, but you can't hack into someone's Facebook and try to access that information. But the key thing that was missing here was that they didn't put the post to him and ask him for his version mm-hmm. of events. That was missing from the procedure. In this aspect, they investigated it, found it, and then went straight to show cause. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the procedural fairness aspect that's missing. You know, print out the the date stamp, print out the um, post, show it to him, give him a chance to respond. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and was Dean's (laughs) out-of-work behaviour a basis for summary termination?
0: If there's got to be a sufficient causal link between the misconduct and the employment. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think in this case it was. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. This is the dishonesty point again. It's dishonest about something that was occurring in the workplace, which was the reason for his absence.
0: Yeah, and -hmm. he was, again, flaunting it on Facebook, Mm -hmm. mocking his employer, Mm -hmm. and that's that's the causal connection.
1: Absolutely. And, you
0: know, causes damage to their reputation, it goes to the heart of
1: their trust and confidence in him. Yep, and that's that's serious misconduct. So we've got it right there. All right, well, thanks so much, Kim. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week. Please make sure to give us a react, a like, a thumbs up, a smiley face, whatever it might be. It really helps us a lot, so we're grateful when you do that each week. Um, And, yep, you'll hear from us next week. Who knows what mix of people it will be? It's a surprise. It's the beauty (laughs) of it each time. But thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Good to
0: see you. Bye, Bye, everyone.